Hello, thank you all for coming. Um, this is kind of a bit of a surreal experience. Um, I was a student here, as Michelle said, and in many ways the, the book I ended up writing started in this program. Michelle and I were actually talking. It, it started very much out of an in-class writing assignment in her class where she asked us to talk about our family and traditions and, and map our heritage. And um, at that point, I was receiving a scholarship through my native corporation, Cognac Inc., and didn't know much more about any of my heritage other than my great-grandfather, his journey to Carlisle, uh, an incorrect translation of his last name, and where we were registered. And so it really began in that class, this idea of, of needing to dig deeper and needing to, to kind of rectify that. And, um, and for my own personal need to, to kind of feel deserving of the support and the encouragement and the confidence that that tribal community was willing to place in me as a descendant who had grown up on the other side of the country with no real knowledge. Um, other than what I discovered was a very shared sense of rupture. And so, um, since Michelle has already given a little bit of a background about that book, I'm going to go on and read and thank you all for coming and it's wonderful to see so many students and so many old professors from when I was here and uh, see the campus and everything. So thank you for having me and thank you for sharing this stage with me. <laughs> Fox hunting. Last winter, I had a thought, go out, hunt foxes. And having come to the opening of a little hut, I entered it. And apparently, there was a fox there. I didn't see. But when it was pointed and seen to me, I could shoot. I ran. But running after it, I finally lost my breath under a rock, pulled from there. Then I walked and walked and seemed to be a fox, but didn't see, but started to run again, shot. So I came back too. After I went to sleep, the day got up again to hunt fox. I passed to the other side, one fox up the hill, thinking how I was a piece, daylight, the hill, the isthmus, the north side, a storm, the sea, the canyon, a fire, a little cave the night entered until the morning, the wind, a pit in the snow, slept in until the morning, daylight descended from foxes and steam and went home. Shibutnoi. It's kind of funny that you should mess up the introduction or the pronunciation of, of my tribal name because that is how I was pronouncing it until I walked into the office in Kodiak asking for the Tongernock office and nobody knew what that, that was. <laughs> Um, and I found a lot of mispronunciations and misspellings of my last name in doing the research too and having grown up with so many people mispronouncing my name only to find out that none of those mispronunciations were wrong, they were all just variations of the same, was um, a kind of interesting experience. 
So Shibitnoi, translation, Salmon Fisher, Michael Chibitnoi, Aliut, 1886 to 1920. Because they were of the water, because they were given Russian names, he was born with hushed words. Because his mother had a bad heart and his father was traumatized, they took him from the sea. Because he came to the school charitably before, because there is only one photo after, they told the skeptics, yes, it can be done. Because it could be done, because Indian marries white girl, because he died of consumption, there are words I can't say. Because he was survived by two sons, because they were called half-breed, because that second son took to drink, I've always been afraid of the sea. Because it doesn't mean salmon fisher. Because I need to know I can say these words. Because it means mischievous, energetic. Mischievous men and women fish for salmon energetically. Because he was an orphan, because in summer my skin turns redder than my father's, because they asked my mother, is she adopted? Because I too am of the water, because I hear these words, I will split my bones and fit my skin to the sea. I will shape my mouth to angle these words with the wind. This is also my first reading where I get to flip through my book as an actual physical book, which again is such a great first place to be able to do that. <laughs> but it's a very different feel. And I think because this is the first reading um, and Father Rene is here, who I first met on campus and thought he was insisting I had to take an American history class that I didn't want to take. <laughs> and didn't take. Um, I'm, <laughs> I think I'll focus on a little bit of that history and a little bit of some of those poems that give Michael's story in a poetic way, of course. Boy, bear, bird, shark, fox. I can see something wild, Michael, a body poised to run. The only natural thing is defiant forward or back. Under scrutiny, what's behind your back? What was in your hands? Feathers, fur, or teeth? How soft the dear mouth, low the ground wherein a grave meets the second born. How did we come here, Michael? Where do we go? Did your mouth grow soft with age, Michael? Could you still chew the kimok, the little bones? Can you hear them breaking down? You can't spit a fish in the water and expect it still to swim. I am afraid to put my face under water, afraid of filling these lungs until the strain on my line pulls me under, mouth open. What's behind your back?
Line, November, post-fall month. Forgive me, grandfather, great-grandfather, but I can't help think you remind me of a waiter in those pants. How does a factory worker get to be so white? That overcoat doesn't suit you, Apak. The body drowns, forgets to swim, goes soft. I am trying to be beautiful in the current understanding. That is, I am trying to be current where drowning is beautiful. I am trying to be beautiful while drowning because I don't know how to swim. I don't know how to be the fish that is, I am. In the sun, I turn brown and almost scaly. When I turn brown, my cheekbones almost look high enough for people to ask me what I am, but my eyes are the wrong kind of brown and more seaweed than sea, and my face is too long and my bones are too long, except for my spine, the kind of bones that get carried away or don't. And my hair is too fine and requires too much washing, but when I smile when no one's looking, I look almost like a shark. White teeth surrounded by too much pink. It was winter and I was sweating. The heat uncomfortable, expecting snow. I get cold so easy, my body forgets. I thought of you yesterday again in the wind going nowhere beside myself. What was the wind on Wood Island like? Could you walk the other way, Umnak or Unalaska bound? Did it ever blow you right where the world begins? Tell me, Michael, where the world ends, did you ever feel such wind again? April 10th, 1909, student Michael Chibitnoy went on an outing and didn't return. Uh, I'm going to move now into some of the more kind of mythic poems in this book. Um, part of what I try to do in addition to focusing on the history and, and trying to revive that history was find a place for myself in that history and to find a way to do so that was um, not appropriative, but also um, opened up kind of a, a space for a multiplicity and, and a kind of dissolving of, of some of those borders. So this one is, she gets her power from the water. She removed her ribs and buried them in a row, having dreamt she would lose them. She slept and dreamed. In her dreams, she couldn't breathe. She couldn't breathe. In her dreams, there was no air. She woke to find her chest was sand. Her ribs were rock. Her lungs fire weeding through the faults. Her body sand was baking. She was baking in the sun. Her body was, in her belly, hard. There was a fire. She became hard, so she crawled to the sea and dipped her glass hands in the water. In the water, her hands became soft and pliant. 
She dipped her body in the water. She pulled the water through her heart, through her lungs, into her belly. In the water, she could move freely, but above the water, she was hard and hot and could not move. Above the water, she was a red mouth, a wound spitting fire. Must be reshaped, the body depends. Kawanuch with house. Um, Kawanuch is the uh, Lutic Supiak word for dreaming, so dream with house. There was a house I needed to go. I needed a home to survive, to wait the fire, the flood where there were others with other bodies. There was earth in them, I dug, speaking the dead with words. I dug my way back to survive the flood into the earth. I had to know what I didn't know. I didn't know what kind of monster was I. You can't throw the fish back in the water and expect to swim. So I dug. I dug out a rib and another's rib, another. I dug deeper until I reached the bottom of this house. I reached the cellar where the center was cold, where I could hide my body full of bodies. I'm still learning where my poems are located in my own book. <laughs> um, uh, this this next poem incorporates some more Aleutic language, and some I will tell you sometimes the translations are in the text, though not always right next to the Aleutic text, and I don't necessarily spell out where the translations are, and some are not translated. So, with that, I will say part of the title is Ginarok. And that means like a face and refers to a mask. But the rest, we'll see if I still remember how to pronounce. Collection object, Ginarok, currently on view. When I decided to be Indian, they were everywhere. There are a lot of Indians in the lower 48. I'm learning by my hand how big my hand is. How many homes on this street are still haunted? We were taken to learn how to cut trees, to live here, how to make clothes to hide ourselves, how to bend steel and other metal with enough pressure and fire, how to yield to desired shapes, how at first we didn't know how to fire our arms, to fit our bodies to metal. At first, we didn't know how to leave here to survive, didn't know how to dig the bodies, how to recover the faces, the labres, the weight that was fastened to bone once the barracks were reoccupied, once the children were sent home. How, I am asking. 
We didn't need to teach them how to draw fish. They didn't need to teach us how to sew the skin. Don't ask me to identify them. I haven't decided which yet or whom. I never learned to sew or gut a fish. I didn't understand how to use the objects archaeologists uncovered. Where is my shovel? Iksak iptuk. Silak iptuk. Minkun kahueme etuk. I am putting bait on my hook. Or the records recovered from the archives. Press clipping 1910, Michael Chibitnoy, an Alaskan ex-student, is one of the many Carlislers who is making good out in the world. He has been in the employment of the Hershey Candy Company for about two years and is now earning from four to five and a half dollars a day. A woman told me I was a witch a Navajo word for witch or something approximate. I was wearing my thumb on the wrong ring or I was wearing my Hopi ring on the wrong thumb, the stone having fallen out of the Peruvian ring I otherwise wore. I hadn't decided if it was real. But I am not Hopi or Navajo, so it was okay, I guess. Do they call them Indians in Peru? She asked me, this woman, why have you come here? She asked me, are you trying to relate to me something? Before we were Russian, they told us we were Russian. It means salmon fisher in Russian, doesn't it? One face is not enough to adapt, to survive, to be both predator and prey, blood, and other body, and a shark is, after all, not so different. After all, a little wood and paint and a century in the earth, and a man's face might assume a shark in an appropriate style. <coughs> after ending the week in the margins of creative industry, editing others' errors with as little voice as I could muster, I took a field trip to Denver with the other women. We ate Indian tacos and fry bread at an Indian restaurant, and I thought, I am here with these women. I am. Together, we admired the t-shirts on the wall with their slogans, no reservations needed. It didn't look like a shark. It didn't look like it was buried for a 100 years. Must it be old in order to be to be authentic, in order to be an authentic Amerindian artifact? That word has gone out of fashion. Nowadays, it is a heritage object. It still doesn't look like a shark, I was expecting, and it takes me a while to find it in the sea of faces mounted on the wall. When I was a girl, my parents took us to the Four Corners to go sightseeing. Do you like Native American things? Then you must go to the Southwest. I was wearing my raven pendant, the one from the wrong village I bought at another museum, and a cheap circle charm with tribal etchings I had bought for six dollars at a rock shop in Old Town. It said I would come to no harm in water, and I took it for a sign. I wore a dream catcher in my right ear and a feather in my left. It does no good to tell these people you were there. Ooh. Some timing. <laughs> 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 <laughs>
Yeah. It matters to them how they can help you. Like the woman at another museum from Alaska, the one from Connecticut who had moved there and collected heritage objects indiscriminately. Have you been? Yes, I, oh, you must go. I went to Denver with the women because I needed new material. I needed a second hand. Namalapakapka. The fish hook is sharp. The awl is sharp. The needle is in the sewing bag. I'm putting bait on my hook. For a time, we were strictly rock people, the Pueblo girl said, between bounces in the back seat of the passenger van. Out the window, all the houses on this street are haunted. What a shame, my mother said, that they've become encumbered by television. All these wires are spoiling the panorama. What a shame they are not living like Indians anymore. Poor Indians. In my memories, often my mother becomes a scapegoat. A daughter must be faultless in her appearance. Guard your tongue in youth, said the old chief, and in age you may mature a thought that will be of service to your people. I read this in a book someone gave me called The Wisdom of the Native Americans. My father bought us each a kachina doll so they would be less poor, so we would have something to remember them by. We bought souvenirs from all the reservations. The careful beating on my medallion snapped before we made it home. Later on that same trip in Albuquerque, I watched men play their flute music like it was magic while my parents wandered in and out of shops. I looked down into the square at their performance. The man was singing. He stared up at me on the balcony, and I stared back intently. I was too young to know there was something not quite right in that stare. It's a bear on my witch ring. You've heard, of course, of the great Kodiak bear, and Wood Island is just a narrow channel across we are from, according to the records. Of course, this reconnection has been retrofitted. A deliberate hole in a fine sheet of metal laid in a solid band fired to fit. I guess we are Aleut after all. They told us we were Russian. I wouldn't have even known there was a shark if it wasn't for the placard on the wall. But labels, too, can be misleading. A vague field of grave-shaped holes, smooth under fresh white paint. Here lies a girl when I was, I was careless with my dolls. I pulled out their feathers. I popped their wooden arms off. Now they lay prostrate on their backs, sick men in cubbies where I show them. But I still don't know the names. And it only takes one small cloud in an otherwise blue sky across the sun to make me shiver, to raise the hairs on my arms, and I wonder, would I be able to survive in the island's north? I wonder, would I be able to keep my body warm there, where lay my family bones? I saw a bear once in Pennsylvania. No one believed me. Use the mask, Gineroch, like a face. 
When we were through with the exhibits, we wandered through the gift shop. I was hoping to find a recreation of Warhol's commodified Indian to hang on my wall. There was only the usual jewelry and some baskets. Woven horsehair, someone knew the woman who made them. The cost staggering in ways only a history of genocide, of subjection, willed extinction, of defiance can justify. We would not pay so much for ordinary goods. Are these earrings authentic? Are they Native American made? Were they sustainably harvested? It matters where we break the line. I am painting my mask. Like travelers, the faces were painted red. I heard we were not Indians after all. I heard we were our own, not Indian, indigenous people. It's complicated. We call them naked ones. They, Matangaskat, Kamani, Amlerdut. Mix the pigments with oil or blood to bind. Naked, we are unafraid, unencumbered. Unencumbered, present arms to strike, paint ourselves targets, strike here and here. Strike here where I have let my colors show, where I have painted myself fatal with blood. Rasyaka mashkaka. I made a pair of earrings, ivory and turquoise plastic. They cannot be found for sale anywhere else in the world. I imagine the earrings I bought at the Heritage Center in Anchorage were made the same. A nail, some beads, a pair of pliers, and the right amount of history, of blood. Truthfully, I was disappointed when I learned it was so simple. When will I be old? There are a lot of naked ones in the lower 48. At a glance, they could be people under so much skin. Or birds. 25 birds for 25 girls, for 1,200, for 4,000. A girl, a father, and a star don't have to look how they're supposed to. And after all, we were, we are, water people. Why not be sharks? Or a bear like those stars? Or a short-eared owl, something that burrows despite itself? Something that excavates? There is a storm about our ears. If you turn those stars upside down, they resemble nothing so much as a shovel, oil, or blood. One face is not enough surface to bear enough weight. How many would it take to stop a bullet? 26 September, 1745. Targets for practice were found in abundance. Thank the merchant from Okotsk, Grigor Shalikov, the benevolent, the founder of Alaska. Under other management, advances were made in science. 1764, one Captain Soloviev was reported to experiment, among other things, upon the penetrative power of his bullets by binding 12 Aleuts in a row. Welcome how, new world. You mix the blood with oil. The placard on the wall calls the tall wooden man welcome figure 1900, Chief Johnny Sow. Welcome being a matter of perspective, requiring copper and arms. 
I am teeth and shell and skin. The shark doesn't look so different. How old must I be? These marks are not significant on land where we have lain. I heard through grave pines, it doesn't take a sky of stars to suggest an arrow, though I suppose a spear would be more appropriate, or a harpoon. It depends which way you look, how much fits at hand, a shovel. I think the masks on my wall are all wrong, from Hawaii, Africa, Costa Rica, from everywhere but home. I looked at the mask the placard told me would look like a shark, but all I saw was the green face of a man looking dead and not very old. In the summer, my skin tends red, but the sun lightens my hair and my eyes are already green, not brown and old, getting old. I hide my inheritance behind my back swinging pendulum, my inverse infant. My body is too conflicted from a front to fit in my hand. The time is at hand for motives. Motives must be held accounted. I am looking for the body hanging round my neck, pulling me forward to the place I can see honestly say, I am not an Indian, not not an Indian. I can say here and present arms, but hands outstretched for a mother, my mother, to any other, I can say I am of the water. I can say that I am. That was a much longer poem than I remember it being. So I think I will just read a few more. Uh, Michelle said that one of her classes was working with erasures, so I will read, um, I'll read two from a series that are playing with the idea of erasure, this time kind of on my own terms, um, after hearing the story of our family's history so many times and the different variations, it, it became clear that it wasn't just, um, the official United States policies that were causing the erasures, it's my family doesn't tell stories and there are probably many reasons for that, but um, it became a point where the writing itself was complicit in that erasure. Family history. Only the beginning is true. There was an island and an orphanage and a boy there was a train and a country to cross. There was just a boy, they took his words from him. There was just a boy, and they took from him his words, so he could not speak with others, so he could not know there were others, so he was just a boy. We know there was a boy, alone. Can I say these things? If I am not that boy, I don't know that boy. That is, I never spoke to that boy. We must take our ears seriously. Family story. I lied, I'll read three of them. <laughs> Family story. The beginning is true. There was a boy. There was a country. There was just a boy they took words from. There was just a boy, and they took from words he could not speak with others. He could not know there were others. He was just a boy, 
a boy alone. That boy, I know, spoke. Take our ears. My story. Only beginning is true. An island, a boy, a train, a country, a boy. They took his words. He could not speak others. He could not know there he was just a boy alone. I am that boy. I know I gave that boy my fears. And trying to find one that's a little more positive to end on, which is been the challenge of this book. My parents asked me what I was working on next, and when I told them, they said, sounds depressing. <laughs> Let's see. So I will leave you with ways to sustain. If this is not the way these bones should be, if this is not the proper way they should lie, clean with care. Again, clean each joint thorough, each wave over again. Set aside enough skin, bleach in the sun, grow taut transparent, enough to reveal any shape, enough to remain water, tight for crossing over. Koyana, thank you.